Hello, and welcome to the Canopy Boulder podcast, where we talk about the intersection of entrepreneurship and investing in the legal cannabis industry. Each week, we'll give you our perspectives on the latest news in the industry, bringing you insightful interviews with entrepreneurs, investors, and the industry pros, and also go deeper on topics like launching a business, building a team, valuation, and pitching investors. Why would we take on such of a challenge? Well, we've helped launch 80 companies into the cannabis industry here at Canopy Boulder and made over 100 individual investments into these companies. So you might say we have the inside line on things. So join us as we take you deeper into legal cannabis and uncover all the nuances of starting up and investing in the cannabis industry. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Canopy Boulder Cannabis Business Podcast. I hope everyone is settling into 2019. Um, Over here in Boulder, for those of you who follow Canopy Boulder and what we're up to, um, our current accelerator class is wrapping up, and we're about to release them back into the wild, uh, which means we've been talking a lot about fundraising lately. So what's a better topic to dig into on this podcast about starting up than fundraising? Am I right? So anyway, that's what we're going to talk about today. So we'll talk a little bit about how to decide kind of when you're ready to fundraise, if you need to fundraise, um, looking at sort of the goals for your company, the timing. Um, Then we'll jump into, you know, what's out there, what kind of investment vehicles are out there, what kind of funds can you raise, um, and we'll kind of go through those and get into the nitty gritty on that. And then we'll finish it up with kind of what investors exist um, out there, especially in the cannabis industry, which can be a, a little unique and a little different, as I know many of uh, our listeners are aware of. So we'll talk a little bit about that. So anyway, we're going to be talking a lot today about fundraising um, for sort of startup companies at various stages. So let's jump into it. So, you know, I think one of the first things we have to talk about when we're talking about fundraising is if we even need to raise funds. Um, you know, we at Canopy Boulder see a lot of people come through who are raising funds. And when we kind of start to dig into it, it's a bit of a question mark on why they think they need to raise money at that time. And I, I think what happens is startups just see that as part of starting up, right? Um, is that at some point you raise money, but the question is, do you really need to do that? Um, and that's, that's really the first place to start for a young company. So, you know, the first place to start there is is really thinking about your goals, um, the company, the stage that your company's at, and then also how much money you need. Do you do you need to raise capital now, um, and how much of it do you need to raise? So, let's start kind of at the beginning, which is you know what are what kind of company do you want to build? So that's a question we have to think about a lot as we're starting up. Um, you know, the type of company that you want to build is going to dictate what kind of funding you need. So we'd be that debt, equity, um, so on, as well as sort of how much you're going to raise and from who you're going to raise and at what point in time you're going to raise it. So, you know, do you want a stable income and a nice life for you and a few employees? Or are you driving towards a large exit or an IPO or something like that down the road? Um, to think about it simply, if you want to build a small business that, you know, employs a couple people, creates a nice life for you, venture capital probably is not the right way to go. So, you know, venture capital is looking for aggressive entrepreneurs that are 
addressing large target markets um, with unique value propositions that's a net eventually sort of down the road is going to generate really large returns uh, for everyone involved. So, you know, as a rule of thumb, when you're thinking about that, you know, $1 of investment from a VC should return about $10 back in less than 10 years. So they're looking for a 10x return. So you kind of have to ask yourself what kind of lifestyle you want to build. Do you want to be working uh, pretty much nonstop for the next 10 years to build something quickly and large and exit at the end? Or are you just kind of trying to maintain, um, you know, there's no there's no problem in being the latter. A lot of startups are what we sort of call lifestyle businesses. So where they're maintaining their own income as well as maybe creating income for a few employees. Um, and those businesses probably don't, they, they don't need venture capital, right? They don't need um, huge investments. Instead, they mostly are going to need maybe an infusion of cash here and there to cover working capital. Um, so in those cases, you know, that's where you should be considering maybe small business loans um, or loans from friends and family, which we'll get into a little bit more in a minute. Um, and then, you know, once once you sort of get over that initial hump, then you're sort of letting your profits drive your company. So that's kind of on the lifestyle side. Now, if you are looking to achieve rapid growth and a large exit down the road, you know, equity financing is, is more the direction we see people like that going. Um, not only does it allow businesses to access large amounts of cash, but it also keeps you from having to add debt, um, you know, and, and at the same time you gain, often you gain a financial partner who can be a bit of an asset in sort of guiding the company and obtaining future investment down the road. So, you know, thinking about your goals, what are you trying to achieve and where do you see yourself and where do you see your organization is, is really critical as you're thinking about fundraising. You know, the next part of this, right, is thinking about timing. So when do you need to actually be raising. So I hope all of you listened last week to our episode on risk. Um, and if you haven't, you should check that out because in it, we talked a lot about um, kind of timing your your raise and your rounds around milestones within your business, right? So, you know, when you're raising money, you want to be raising it on a specific value. So it's important to kind of hit those milestones and understand how hitting different milestones lines up with when you're going to be raising. Um, you need to know what you've accomplished, but most importantly, you really need to know what value your company has created in order to know kind of what you can fundraise and who you're looking for as a partner. So we have a little actually pretty handy little chart uh, which I will link to in the description. I'll put a couple links in the description to some blog posts that we've written around various fundraising that will go into all the detail of what we're talking about today in a little bit in a little bit greater detail. Um, so check those out for sure. Um, but just we'll run through it really quickly kind of on timing, at least this part on timing. And that'll depend. The timing is going to really depend on sort of the phase that you're in um, and then the different investment vehicles, which ones you're going to look for and the different options for what types of investors you're looking for as well. So general rule of thumb is that we kind of think about around here is in the idea phase. So that's really early companies, right? So you're still fleshing out the market. You're still testing your assumptions. You're maybe beginning to build out um, a minimum viable product, an MVP, and at this stage, there's really not a lot of value to your company, right? So 
I'm sorry to say, I'm sorry to be the one to burst your bubble, but your great idea is really not that valuable, right? Ideas are maybe 10%, um, executions 90%. So um, you don't have much value there, which makes it a riskier investment for an investor. And, you know, let's take it back to college finance, right? And so remember that risk and return are linked. So the riskier the investment is the higher return you kind of have to promise, right? I.e. giving up more of your company. So that's something to consider. And for that reason, we see people in that idea phase really not looking at equity financing at all. They're really more looking at getting loans from what we refer to as the three F's, right? Your friends, family, and fools. Um, and then, of course, within that same phase, within that idea phase, you're also the option to bootstrap which should always be considered, right? So can you figure out a way to just make enough money to get done what you need to get done? Um, you know, consider the lean methodology, the lean startup methodology. If you guys haven't read that book, definitely go out and get it. Eric Reese, um, it's it's a, a great lesson in how to start a company with as little as possible. Um, so remember, though, with that lean startup methodology, we're talking about testing our, our business. Um, you don't have to build the whole thing, right? You just have to figure out if anybody wants to pay for it. So that's kind of what you're doing in the idea phase. You shouldn't need tons of cash. Um, and, you know, equity is, is maybe not the way to go there. So then we enter seed phase, right? So this is when we're a little bit past the idea phase. We are, you know, maybe have a prototype or you've completed that sort of market research study or you're sort of in the process of completing it and you're confident sort of in the product or offering. So the goal for funding here, for, for um, fundraising here, is to further that work, right? So continuing to build more value in that company, and this is the stage where we see companies take on angel investments. Um, and if that's if that's a term you're not familiar with, hang in, hang in there because we're going to go over what angel investors are in a bit. Um, but also some venture capital investment in that stage as well. Then we move, you know, past the seed stage, really when we start getting into like more traditional, you know, the more traditional rounds that we're familiar with, right? Series A, Series B, so on. Um, so when you're at the Series A point, you know, that's when a company has built significant value, right? They're looking for capital solely for the purpose of kind of expanding um, and increasing profits. And so they're going to be thinking about larger amounts um, and probably more sophisticated um, investment through funds and that kind of a thing. And then once we get past Series A, when we're Series B and kind of beyond, um, you're much farther along this is when companies have created significant value. And the goal of the raise there is usually for liquidity um, and or sort of further growth and expansion. So that's kind of uh, our how we think about timing. All right, so you know your goals, right? So you know what you want to do, how, what, what kind you want to raise. Um, what I'm sorry, whether or not you are raising money. And now you know kind of the timing of when you're going to need that money. So the next part in that, thought process is how much do you really need, right? Um, so this shouldn't be a guess. You're not guessing. You don't want to go too high because you don't want to risk giving away too much more equity than you need to. But you don't also want to go too low um, and, and risk running out of cash. You know, remember that fundraising is a full-time job and often um, you know the companies at least that we work with these uh, venture-backed companies 
have a person whose pretty much full-time job it is to be fundraising. So you definitely don't want to raise too little that you don't give yourself a little bit of a breather, a little bit of room to continue that raising, right? Um, so when projecting out kind of how much money you're going to need, keep in mind, you should be raising for about the next 18 months of runway. So how much is it going to cost you to operate your business for the next 18 months? And that should be your benchmark of how much money you're going to need. And it, it's going to depend on the business, right? Every business is going to be a little bit different. You know, if you are building out you know, a SaaS platform and you have that background and you can keep your overhead low because you're building most of it, you probably don't need as much cash as someone, for example, that's building out a hardware um, business where they're where they're having to create a product, right? That's that's going to be really capital intensive. So you need to take a hard look at your business and figure out what do you need the money for and how much money realistically do you need um, in the next 18 months? And that should be your benchmark for what you're raising, how much you're raising. All right. So, all right. So now, you know, I think it's important for us to sort of talk through what kind of investment options are out there. So, you know, at Canopy Boulder, we're really focused on equity, right? We're a, we're a venture capital fund um, and we work with venture backed, venture capital backed businesses, right? So we're a little bit biased here, but um, I want to run through kind of some of the different options that people have because it's important to know that equity and debt are not your only choices, right? So the first thing to jump into here is crowdfunding. So we hear so much about crowdfunding. People get so excited about crowdfunding. I mean, it is kind of cool, this idea of like letting the average person participate in building out your business. And there's definitely some pros in there, but there's also definitely some cons. So, um, you know, it's important to understand sort of the distinctions between different types of crowdfunding and what's kind of legal and not legal. So there's kind of four main areas that fall under crowdfunding. So first is kind of reward-based. So that's your kind of Indiegogo, Kickstarter, GoFundMe situation where maybe you have a product and you kind of pre-sale it, right? So you um, kind of promise to send a good to these people if they fund you. Um, and, and we see that that's popular, especially with product companies. However, you know, do this carefully, right? Um Number one, the people investing or kind of crowdfunding your business um, don't have to be accredited investors. And really quick, let's just go over what accredited investors are. Accredited investors are people who have who make more than two hundred thousand dollars a year or three hundred thousand dollars a year if if it's a joint income, and or have a million dollars in assets, uh, not including your primary residence, right? So that's the definition of an accredited investor. So that aside, um, reward-based crowdfunding, you don't have to be accredited. However, you know, keep in mind this can get ugly if you promise something and then you can't deliver. So you know, especially with hardware products where inevitably thing timelines are going to get pushed um, and you can't deliver on your promise, you risk A, sort of damaging your reputation and B, potentially, you know, legal issues, um, right? So that's something to keep in mind. So the next area would be like donation-based crowdfunding. So that's what we see like nonprofits, causes, that kind of thing. Um, and people give with no expectation of return. 
Then we go into equity-based crowdfunding. So this is where things get a little confusing. Um, we actually have a blog post called What Funding Options Does Your Startup Have um, on our blog. So that's go.canopyboulder.com backslash news. And then you can... Um, you can find that blog article in there, and I'll, I'll link to that in the description as well. But, um, you know, let's break down the equity-based crowdfunding options, right? So there's Regulation D crowdfunding, and this is how crowdfunding been done for – equity crowdfunding has been done for a long time. And it requires contributors to be accredited investors. So remember we talked about what that was just a second ago. Um, and it's usually done through a broker, so it's really limited to kind of – uh, how you can advertise, you know, you're you're in line with all these SEC regulations. It could be a little, um, a little wonky, a little um, cumbersome, perhaps. Uh, so, so that's kind of something to think about. Now, recently, we've added these Regulation A plus um, crowdfunding, which is really interesting, and people are really excited about it. Um, it's kind of like a mini IPO and a mini public offering. So. The minimum that you can raise is around is three million, and you can raise up to fifty million, and you can raise this from people who are not accredited investors. So this is why this is really taking off, is because everyday people can buy essentially small amounts of equity in your company. Um, and remember, when you buy equity, right, you don't necessarily that money isn't guaranteed to be paid back. So that's something if you are planning on doing the funding, right, if you're interested in potentially funding a startup, keep that in mind. Um, so this is great for companies who maybe already have a following or already have customers who they kind of want to encourage those customers to, you know, buy in maybe more to the business. That's kind of a good option there. However, there are definitely some downsides, right? So the downsides are there are fees associated, which can be quite steep at time, um, and it's a bit of a long process. So it can take two or three months to close. So it's it's not super timely. It's not something to do at the last minute as you're running out of cash. Um, the most popular place to do this kind of thing is SeedInvest.com, but it is not required to go through a third party or a broker. So that it can be done, you know, not not through SeedInvest or not through an online third party. Um, all right, and then the third type of equity uh, fundraising is Regulation CF. So this is very much like Reg A plus that we just talked about. However, you have to go through a third party, like Seed Invest or Republic is the other major site um, out there, and it's maxed out at one million. So you can only raise one million, which makes this really ideal for early, really early stage young companies. Anyway, so that's equity crowdfunding. Now, debt crowdfunding is a lot like equity crowdfunding, but it's debt. So people can essentially, instead of buying small amounts of equity, um, are giving out small loans that will be repaid with interest um, to these sort of young startup small businesses. So... These are usually secured with assets. So, you know, this is ideal for companies that maybe have assets. But it also usually requires a bank custodian to support that process, um, which makes it a little less ideal for cannabis startups since we all know that banking is such a debacle in this space. Um, so when considering debt crowdfunding, be sure that your loan is um, not a personal one, right? So you don't want it backed by your personal assets. That's your car. That's your personal house. Um, because if you default, you do risk losing everything. And that would be pretty terrible. So 
You can find more information about debt crowdfunding through sites like Funding Circle, Circle and Zopa, uh, which is Z-O-P-A. So check those out. Um, now let's talk about crowdfunding as a whole as it relates to the cannabis industry, since that's what we're doing here. Um, cannabis, there seem to be more cons than pros, you know. I think the big one that we're talking about here is that all crowdfunding sites or platform eventually are going to be storing the money that's collected on your behalf for a time, right? Just even even for just a short period of time. However, we all know banks don't like weed. So you are likely to be shut down and left kind of without any of those funds, which um, would suck. So that's something to keep in mind definitely as you're thinking about crowdfunding. All right, the next funding type that we're going to get into is debt funding. So this is really well understood. People know what I mean when I talk about debt. Um, it's a good option for young companies that just sort of need that infusion of cash or some working capital just kind of get moving, um, get those first milestones accomplished. Traditional debt is kind of hard to come by, though, for cannabis companies these days because, um, you know, small business loans from banks and that are, are not available to our industry still. So here are some other things to consider when it comes to debt financing. Um, debt is usually backed by assets. We talked about that a second ago. So, you know, keep that in mind. What, what are your assets? And that may make debt uh, funding more attractive or less attractive to you. Second, please be wary of personal guarantees. Those are very scary. So that's basically when you are personally guaranteeing your, your loan. Um, that means a lender can come after your sort of personal house, car, personal savings in case of defaults. Um, any lender who's asking for a personal guarantee should throw up a red flag. Um, definitely be wary of that. And then, you know, I think we all know this, but debt gets paid back first, right? So if you have a lot of debt on your balance sheet, it's going to make you a little bit less attractive to equity investors down the road. So um, keep that in mind as well. All right, so let's jump into equity funding here. This is obviously Canopy Boulder's bread and butter. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, equity funding that is the most traditional form of financing that entrepreneurs choose. Um, and it's what investors like the most because it's very simple, right? So you're essentially selling shares of your business off for cash um, in the business. There's no interest, right? Um, and so that's what makes it a good option for young companies, right? Is that it's not, um, you don't have to necessarily pay it back. Now, uh, it's important to remember the risk and return relationship. I know that we sort of touched on that earlier in the show, but risk and return go together, right? The riskier the op the opportunity, the higher the return needs to be. So definitely keep that in mind as you're thinking about equity. Now, let's talk about the different kinds of shares in equity. Um Anyone who's studied finance, I'm sure, like, you know, go ahead and fast forward maybe 15 seconds, but there's common shares and there's preferred shares. Um, they're pretty much the same, except in two pretty important ways. The first is payout. So preferred shares get paid out first. So basically, if if a company is doing great and there's tons of cash, common shares and preferred shares are almost almost the exact same. However, if a company goes under and there's a small amount of money left in the company, those preferred shares get paid out first. So 
that's attractive to investors. Investors like preferred shares. They want preferred shares. However, if you as a company have a lot of preferred shares out there, it's going to make your common shares less attractive to investors down the road. So that's a balance that you need to kind of come, come to. And the second area that it's different is in voting rights. So preferred shares usually have slightly different voting rights, and it could potentially give those investors a little bit more control over the business, um, including potentially how money flows. So that's definitely an important area to consider um, in, in issuing your shares. All right. So... We've talked about debt. We've talked about equity. Let's talk about these kind of interesting in-betweens. Um, so convertible notes, that's that's one that we like. We like convertible notes because it's a little bit of a best of both worlds. So a convertible note is a loan that does convert to equity at a set time or at a set event. So that event could be a qualifying fundraising event, sort of reaching certain predetermined milestones, um, election of a new board member, the election of a new CEO, um, et cetera, right? And convertible notes are attractive because they they sort of avoid the tricky valuation conversation that comes up early in the life of a startup. Um, instead, we're sort of replacing that with a valuation cap conversation, which makes things a little easier. It is a little hard to value a company that... Uh, is brand new, doesn't really have any profits, and is still sort of trying to figure out uh, market share, right? Um, especially in an industry like cannabis that is so new and where we have so little to compare it against. So that's why convertible notes are attractive. And then a safe, uh, which stands for a simple agreement for future equity, is similar to a convertible note, except that it's not debt. It's not debt at all. It's more of an agreement for future issuances of shares upon sort of specific events. So valuation cap, sale of preferred shares, etc. So think of this more like a warrant or an IOU, um, meaning it's not subject to the same regulations as debt. So there's no interest accrued and uh, often there's no maturation date. So that's kind of interesting too. Now, uh, one important note here, unless specified, Safes usually have no liquidation preference, uh, making them less attractive to investors unless that, you know, in, is included in the language of the safe. So that's something that we've seen become increasingly popular, um, both in cannabis, but also just in sort of startup uh, funding in general. So do a little research on that if that's uh, interesting to you. So, all right, so we've talked about your goals, whether or not you need to fundraise, and what your kind of options for investment vehicles are um, and, and raising um, are. So let's talk about kind of who, what entities are investing specifically in the cannabis space, since that's what we're always talking about here is what's going on in this industry. So let's start with angel investors. Um, angel investors are high net worth individuals who are interested in making private investments into promising companies. Um, these are probably the most most common investments into canopy, um, I'm sorry, into cannabis companies, uh, along with venture capital, which we'll talk uh, about in a minute. So angels sometimes invest alone and sometimes they invest in groups. Uh, the Arcview Group, uh, Canopy Boulder's partner, the Arcview Group is probably the largest angel group, is the largest angel group in the cannabis industry. Um, so if you're definitely, if you're looking for investment, look them up. They're a great group of uh, people looking to get involved in the space. 
Um, either way, if they're investing alone or they're investing in a group, angels are sort of sorting through deals, vetting them, and then making their investments. Um, angels move fast. They take risks uh, that maybe others might not be as comfortable with, which is probably the reason they're called angels, right? Um, but like any individual people, right? Some are great and some not so much. Um, so be sure you're asking the right questions. We did an episode probably a couple months ago that you guys should check out called uh, How to assess, assess Your Investor. So um, look at that one on assessing investors to get a, a little bit of information on kind of what questions to be asking. Now the next group of entities kind of making investments is family offices. So these are essentially places that manage wealth accumulated by really wealthy families. It's usually run by a professional investor who's paid to find, vet, sort of dig through um, and eventually choose deals for the family money to be invested into. Um, keep in mind, these are usually pretty conservative and move a little bit more slowly. So things to think about. And then we're, and then we've got funds, right? So this is more traditional. Um, I think, at least I think about funds a lot when I think about equity financing. Um, venture capital. So along with angels, probably the most common investment into the cannabis industry at this point in time. So we'll talk about this mostly. Um, there are hedge funds and private equity funds that have played sort of smaller roles in the industry thus far, but we're not seeing it quite as large. Um, again, check out that link in the description, which has some more information on hedge funds and private equity funds as well. But venture capital funds um, are basically seed and growth stage companies. They're usually looking for a 10x return within 10 years um, with a large IPO or acquisition exit kind of at the end. So that's kind of what venture capital is. When you're looking at venture capital funds, one thing to be aware of um, is to make sure if that fund actually has any money. So we see lots of, you know, kind of what we call vapor funds that will kind of claim to raise money on the deal, right? So you come to them, they say, yes, we're going to raise money for your deal. And and I would just be a little wary of that. Um, will it happen in reality? I mean, I don't know, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not one to hitch my star to a maybe. So that's something to consider. And then the sort of final area that we see funds coming from is is traditional IPOs, right? Initial public offering. So this is when a, a company goes public. So this is very common for startups. It's definitely a, a source of cash for startups. Um, we haven't seen it a ton in the cannabis industry yet. I mean, it's definitely been happening big in Canada. I think it's like every other day, like someone else is listed on the Canadian stock exchange um, publicly. So we haven't seen it a whole lot in the US yet, uh, but it's coming. And I think, you know, it's important to note the reason we probably haven't seen it so much in the cannabis industry is just because this industry is young. Um, going public is is quite a commitment, right? Once you, once you go public, you are beholden to your shareholders. You have a lot less control over the company than you did prior to going public. And, um, you know, sometimes 
going public, you end up almost running two businesses, right? So you're running your regular business, but then you're also running this business um, in order to kind of increase shareholder value. And that can be overwhelming for young companies that don't have a set kind of vision um, for the company yet. So something definitely to keep in mind. Um, the reason people go I IPO, um, the reason businesses choose an IPO is really for one thing, which is liquidity. Uh, it's cash, cash, and uh, more cash. So anyway, um, so that's kind of what what fund what what exists out there when it comes to fundraising in this industry. Um, you know, it's important to understand your business inside and out and make the right choice for your business at that exact point in time. Um, you know, don't don't be tempted to sort of follow a path that others have followed if it's not the right path for you. So think through think through some of these questions that we've asked, um, your timing, your goals, how much money you need to raise, and then think through some of these options, right? What, what investment vehicle is right for you? Do you even need investment? Do you just need a loan? Um, and then what entity is out there that's going to give it to you that's going to be the, the most ideal for your situation? So Good luck, everyone. Good luck in uh, thinking about raising funds for your business. Um, check us out online at canopyboulder.com. Uh, check out our blog, which also has some more information on fundraising. Um, and good luck. We, uh, we hope all of you are wildly successful. All right. See you next time. Now for the disclaimers, uh, please do not take any information from the Canopy Boulder podcast or its guests as investment advice. Be sure to contact your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. So thank you for listening and please join us for another Canopy Boulder podcast episode coming to you soon.